What's up, guys? I've had some awesome guests, and this is one of the craziest episodes yet. This week, my guest is originally from the UK, but travels all around the world as a certified skydiving instructor. Besides him jumping for almost 10 years, roughly around 6,000 jumps, we talk about all of his travels, living in Thailand, the lifestyle out there, and how amazing that cuisine is. Of course, leading us into all of his adventures through the air, including a pretty scary malfunction. So please welcome Brad Dimmock. What's up, dude? Oh, good, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. All right, before we really dig into it, talk to me about your traveling <laughs> journey as of late. <laughs> our luggage still isn't here. No Our, our luggage is, is somewhere. <laughs> you got yeah, tracking um... on it or anything? Well, we've got, like, well, obviously we've filled in the, the thing, and... Yeah. My missus has been in contact with the guy who's meant to be delivering it for the company. And like five hours ago, he was like, oh, it'll be another three hours. And it should have been here by midday today. It should have been here by last night. It should have been here by four o'clock today. It's now 8 p.m. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Who um, is it like the the airline company or is it just whatever, I guess? Yeah, I think it's just one of the companies that are linked to the airport, like one of the airport services companies. Okay, so it was your flight from, was it from Thailand to Bali? Um, <laughs> yeah, so we did, so Thailand to Bali was a stop in Singapore. Um, we left Krabi like an hour late. And then we had an hour and a half in Singapore airport, or originally we had an hour and a half, but because we're an hour late, we then had half an hour in the Singapore airport. We ran through the airport, got onto our flight, or we got there and the woman at the desk was like, oh no, we took you off this flight because we thought you weren't going to make it. I was like, I'm standing right here. I'm, I'm getting on the flight. <laughs> so then we get into Bali and our luggage isn't there. So... That, uh, I think it was last year, or no, two years ago now. Um, uh my then fiance at the time, uh, her and her family and myself, we went out to Zion National Park and we had a layover. Ooh, nice. um, on the way back, we flew to uh, Washington, D.C. was where our layover was. Well, we were flying out of Las Vegas and we were on the runway for about two hours before we took off um, because of storms or or whatever. And. Just imagine already sitting on a plane ready to go two hours and then you take off for a three hour mm -hmm. flight. So anyways, we had a layover in D.C. and we were supposed to board uh, probably like 1030 at night. Well, our flight arrived late as expected, but we were told um, as we were deboarding, they said um, 
We said, uh, if anyone has a layover, don't worry. We've held all the planes. You guys are going to be okay. So we all got off and the, our, our plane was not there basically. So now we're stranded in an airport and the, the stewardess and everything are like, all right, have a good night. Like what, have a good night. What, what do you mean? Like, I don't have, I can't get home. And also my concern was like, where's my luggage at? Um, and that's just me in the States. Like I was stressing about that compared to in your situation where you're, in a, you know, totally different country going to another. Yeah. I don't even know where it is, man. (laughs) Is it all? So how much luggage are we talking about? Um, well, so like going back to it. So we got to Bali without our luggage and it was delivered the next day and that was fine. And then when we came back, um, our flight was, we even got an email that morning saying our flight was delayed from Bali to Singapore and then Singapore back to where we are now. Okay. We we're like, oh, fuck's sake. So then we arrive back home and we find our luggage isn't here. So we've got um, two bags that's like my clothing because we were in Thailand and we're training in Thailand. We got all our gym stuff. And then we've got her surfboard as well because we we're surfing in Bali. Yeah. So that's like the, the big annoying one is we want to get her surfboard bag. Everything else is like clothes, so it doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. yeah. So did you, okay, so right now you're living in, are you living in Thailand and then you're just visiting in Bali or you're, you're, you're uh, in Bali? I live in Dubai. We're visiting Thailand and we were holidaying in Bali. I used to live in Thailand. Dude, what's Thailand like? Dude, Thailand's amazing. I, I love living there. It's so cool. I've, yeah, I, we go back. We went back again last year. I went back this year. Like, I can't get enough of Thailand. The people, the food, the place. It's just, man, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, my thing would definitely be the food. And uh, it's just a it's a very beautiful country, like you said. Um, the food, yeah. for sure, would be, man, I would be all about that. I'm not. Yeah, man, like, I travel for food. Oh, dude, okay, same. I mean, or at least when, when <laughs> I travel or when I'm going somewhere. I will uh I'll definitely look up the food spots before I go, especially if it's somewhere in the States, there could be like a uh I don't know, like man versus food show or something like that. Oh yeah, is, for sure. Yeah. And like so like I'll watch his episodes like, oh, he's in um like he's going to Chicago. Well, I know what to get in Chicago, but I'll at least look to see where he went because I want to check those places out, right? Same as yeah, in you yeah. know, other states, but man, Thailand, the only thing I've been able to watch is either YouTube or like Anthony Bourdain. Or something like that, <laughs> like when he's yeah. gone and visited for food. So yeah, same thing, man. I travel for for the food, definitely. Yeah, I love it. It's and man, Thai food is so cheap. Like when I lived there, I was getting my dinner for a dollar, and it was oh, so good. Yeah, it's like some little old lady with a wok and a burner, and she doesn't speak any English. Like I, I learned to speak enough Thai to be able to order food and you know exchange pleasantries and stuff, and. uh yeah, you go there, you order what you want, and five minutes later, she's cooked you up this incredible meal. And dude, it's so good. I love it. Dude, is majority of it kind of like your your soups and curries or like rice dishes or what? Yeah, it's a big mix. So like, if we're kind of looking at sort of the, the a la carte menu, so you got sort of your fried rice and your pad thai, and then you've yeah. got um, like pad CU is a different type of noodles. They're wide and flat. Uh, you got pad kapow, which is my personal favorite, yep. which is that shit's good. That shit's yeah, oh, man. Stir fried meat with Thai basil and chilies. It's just 
perfect. Um, and then another good one is uh, Somtam, which is papaya salad, and that's okay. one of the best. Um, yes. And then yeah, you got the curries like you got the green curry and uh, red curry, som- um, tom yum, the soups and that. So <clears throat> yeah, for yeah, sure. a, a good mix of of different stuff. Yeah, I um, there's a, uh, I mean, I'm in Indiana, so like not very traditional Thai food, but there's a couple like pretty good traditional Thai places. It's n- it's not going to compare to you know actually being in Thailand and having the food there, but um man it, it's just got to be night and day difference i mean i'll make i cook every day so um I've, I've made curry before um i haven't done i've done like different stir fry dishes but nothing of like the thai cuisine really but i i feel like just well, being we, in thailand having that food where it's just fresh and made there and traditional has got to be some of the best food in the world yeah it's just the best and we actually this year we did a, a cooking class when we were out there oh and like I'd say one of the hardest things, especially if you're not in Thailand, is getting hold of the ingredients, but to cook it, it's so simple. I want to say most of the dishes are somewhat similar. So you're going to have some type of rice or noodle base, some protein of like a shrimp, chicken or, or, or beef uh, and vegetables. But it's just like some of the spices, I think, is where it really sets it apart. Yeah, pretty much. And like, especially with uh, like Pad Kapow, you've got to use proper Thai holy basil. Otherwise, it's not the same um so yeah like getting getting the right stuff is correct but then like once you got it we got some stores here where you can get some like proper imported thai ingredients but other than that it's it's pretty easy what's some of the have you ate any like weird crazy foods out there like insects Uh, or anything yeah yeah i've done a lot of insects so i actually first traveled to southeast asia 10 years ago okay when i was doing the whole backpacking thing in my early 20s and uh I'd say the weirdest thing that I ate in Vietnam was that like fertilized duck egg. I can't remember what it's called, but Bro, it's this... I've had one of those. Yeah, oh, man, it's so tasty. Oh, really? I did. Oh, wait, oh, I had. So okay. Good. So are you talking like balut or no? Yeah, that's what it's called, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've had that. That's good. And then I've had this other like duck yolk. Um, it almost looks like a it looks like a gummy bear uh type of texture like a like a gummy okay. rubbery duck yolk and it's incredibly salty um because there's a couple minneapolis minnesota um there's quite a few it's, in the asian culture it's it's pretty populated out there uh, so there's okay. a lot of uh, like very good traditional like um whether it's like Hmong markets or vietnamese uh food markets and and, and um, grocery stores and there's all like the weird type of things that you could order um and we a couple friends and myself like we would go every once in a while like hey let's just pick something out let's cook up some weird dish so yeah i've I've done balut before it's pretty interesting it's good it's interesting yeah i think a big part of eating it is just don't think about it because it's it's pretty weird and like it looks kind of dodgy but you dig into it and it's pretty tasty it's nice yeah um okay uh, what about insects yeah, we did quite a few. Um, fried crickets are pretty tasty. It's like eating a bag of chips. Um, okay. We had uh, a water beetle. That's really good. So kind of like a, a shrimp or something where you, you peel off the outer shell because it's an exoskeleton and it's meaty inside. Do you um, cook it first or is it? Well, yeah. Yeah, probably. that came that came cooked. I think it was like fried or something. Okay. Um, 
And then we had like these weird dried frogs or toads or something that were they were, they were kind, of, kind of like dried and salted. They were kind of nice. It was I'd almost describe it as like a frog jerky sort of thing. Did they come in like this, like a zip, like some type of bag portion? Because I think I've seen, I've seen something like that. They just look like yeah, um, pretty much. They look like a like a flattened out fried frog. Yeah, pretty much that. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it kind of looked like kind of looked like roadkill, but it was, it was good. <laughs> yeah. What about like spiders or anything? Uh, we did the typical scorpion in uh, Bangkok when we first got there, but it's shit, man. Don't bother. What did it taste like? Dirt? Yeah, it just didn't taste of anything. Like it's just, yeah, it's just there's there's nothing to it. It's just this tourist trap of they have these scorpions on a stick and everyone buys them and it's yeah it's. So how do they? Nah. I wonder how they're like cooked or how you eat them. You peel it. Yeah, you got to peel it because they've got a super hard exoskeleton. Right. And then once you're inside, there's not really much sort of meat in them, and they're just a bit. Nah, there's there's better stuff out there for sure. If you want to eat weird shit, there's better stuff out there. Yeah, it's almost like uh, like crawfish are kind of like that, but crawfish are a little bit bigger. But I mean, you have to yeah. pull out the meat from the. You have to basically rip them in half and pull the meat out either from the tail or from the body because you don't want to eat the shell. Some people do. Yeah. Um, it's definitely different, but yeah, it, uh, I don't know. I know Thailand's got a lot of good traditional food, and they got some weird stuff out there too. At least from what I've seen on like the cooking. Uh, like shows and whatnot. Yeah, pretty much. And it kind of depends where in Thailand you go as well, because like uh, the east of Thailand, the Isan region, that's got sort of slightly different dishes and the north of Thailand, slightly different again and that sort of thing. So you kind of spend a bit of time there and get to know what you like and sort of what kind of region of food you like and that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. Do they have, Um, I'm sure they do. Do they have like, at least in Thailand, how, well, how long were you there? on this last stay so this last trip we were there for like three and a half weeks so this one was just a holiday okay um but before that i was there for like a, a year and a half i lived there so how does i mean how does that work do you have to apply for a visa stay or anything like that or yeah so it's all, all all done by the company i work for because i got a job out there and like you'd kind of think that a place like thailand is a little bit sort of uh kind of lax with immigration but they're they're pretty strict and like everything's got to be above board so everything oh, wow. was organized by the company you get a work permit and a visa and this and that and you got to check in every six months and and whatnot but it was from from my end it was it was pretty simple it was just uh the company that does most of it okay what company was that uh skydive thailand does jumping out there okay that's right yeah um oh dude okay before we jump into that talk to me like when did you or why did you get started in uh i'm assuming muay thai training out there yeah so <laughs> the funny thing as well as i just said i lived in thailand for a year and a half and i never did muay thai out there yeah. and then i moved to the, the middle east and i randomly joined a muay thai gym and start training muay thai because it looked like a fun way of exercising yeah. Um, so I kind of did things a little bit backwards, but yeah, I was, I was always looking for just a way of exercising and enjoying it. Um, going to the gym is a lot of fun. I like kind of lifting weights and stuff, but I want something that's 
intense and a bit different and went to a Muay Thai class one day, got about 40 minutes into the hour, was absolutely dying and absolutely loving it. Yeah. And that was about uh, April last year, I think. So just over a year ago. And yeah, man. Awesome. Yeah. I what, a, what a way to train. Yeah. I remember seeing, uh, I think I don't, it was probably right around when you started. It must have been, I, I saw like your Instagram story. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. Um, Cause out there, obviously like that just is Thailand basically. So, I mean, oh, dude, there's, yeah. there's gyms everywhere. Um, I know Tiger and uh, there's another big one that's out there. But otherwise, yeah, like that type of training. I mean, I've done, uh, I know what you mean with the like, you know, you want to work out, but also kind of enjoy it and have like a different type of workout because like lifting is cool. But I mean, really, the music is the only thing that's enjoyable while, while I'm lifting. Right. So, yeah, like, exactly. so I got to have a good playlist or something like that. Um, and then I started like training in like boxing gyms uh, seven years ago, I would say. And Amazing. it's it is that type of training where it's like it's very different. Um, It's full body now. Mm. it's it's definitely different compared to Muay Thai because Muay Thai, you got knees, elbows, kicks. So like your hips, your core, everything is just, you're going to feel sore all over, but in like a good way, you know? Oh, um, 100%, man. And it's, uh, when we go to, when we train in Thailand, um, like the gym we train at, they they have sort of, uh, they have beginner's classes, they have intermediate, and then they got the, the fighter training. Uh-huh. So we'll do the intermediate classes and it's, Two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, Monday to Saturday. So what's so, the structure like? So you start off with a half an hour warm-up, which is um, usually just some kind of cardio. Maybe uh, like sprints or a run or, um, yeah, just, just something that most people would probably do as their, their full gym session. Um, and that even that's pretty intense. And then you'll move over, you'll do two or three rounds of shadow boxing, and then you'll go through some technique stuff. Uh, you'll do some bag work, some pad work, some ab work, uh, maybe some sparring depending on the day. Yeah. Uh, and then you'll finish with some strength training. So you do some core session or some leg session or some upper body, something like that. Dude, what's, um, cra- what's crazy though is so like you'll do those workouts like on a bag or, or uh, if someone's holding pads, and like that's exhausting and then you decide to spar and that's where like at least for me like my cardio gets drained instantly like when you do oh, sparring dude, man, it? it just it hits because your body's in like adrenaline mode and you're just you yeah. have to like control that and you're breathing <laughs> it's it's wild it is it's a cardio killer man like if i three rounds on the pads with a thai trainer and you're dying like my very last session just before we left thailand um I was with the, one of the coaches who I just got on really well with. Uh, he did a lot for me last year when I was fairly new in the sport and he got like a lot out of me. And we'd done the first two rounds of, you know, going pretty hard. And then the last round is like, okay, give me 10 kicks per side. Easy enough, 10 Ooh. kicks. Okay, give me nine kicks per side. And we did 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 which works out to 55 kicks a side, which was, yeah, killer. Dude, yeah, it's, um, they call, well, I'm sure they call it different things. It's like called like pyramid almost where you'll start low, yeah. 
So like on the bag, it's like give me two hooks, then four hooks, then six, all the way up to twenty, and then down. And it's like, yeah. but kicks for sure. Like I remember when I first kind of, I feel like I kind of know how to kick decently. Not, I mean, enough to kick the bag. Like I, like that's the yeah. first thing. Like you have to know kind of like placement and stuff for your leg. Um, but I would do some of those, like try to do a cardio killer for like fifteen seconds. Just give me like a speed, like roundhouse kick or something, and then switch your stance and do that and bro your your heart is just pounding um it's it's a cardio killer for sure yeah it's so intense and then when you think about it like oh yeah you know i, I want to spar or do some heavy sparring or i want to fight or something you're like it's it's three or five rounds and the rounds are three minutes long i've got to be active <laughs> for like 15 minutes that sounds so easy yeah uh, like you go you go heavy in the first round and you just like shit dude it's, what it's um hard, have you been to any fights out there yeah, we used to go, uh, so the gym we trained at, they had quite a few guys who would fight, so we'd always go along and support them, but mostly like Friday or Saturday nights. So we were in Ao Nang in Krabi, okay. um, and they've got um, a local stadium there and a bigger stadium. We'd always go down to the local stadium at the weekends. There'd always be fights on. So good. A man in Thailand, you can fight from the age of six. Oh, wow. You you have not lived until you've seen two six-year-olds kicking the hell out of each other, man. They're so good. <laughs> I've seen like videos of like of those kids doing it, and I'm like, what in the hell? And their technique looks so good, like flawless. Like, everything just looks like it flows perfectly for them. I'm like, these kids are like not even ten years old, like. And and the slap of like their shin bouncing off the other one's ribs you're just like holy hell man Golly. yeah they're they're incredible and you know by the time they're in their 20s they've got 200 plus fights under their belt yeah it's wild it's yeah. so wild um yeah dude that's that's crazy i'd like to get i mean thailand's on my bucket list of places out there um obviously for the food and i'd like to go into a gym just to kind of check it out um I do have this fear of like spiders and tarantulas. I know they're out there, but like, I feel like I heard a story one time. I know someone who went to train at Thailand and before you pick your gloves up, you'd have to like hit the gloves or shake your boxing gloves because sometimes like a spider would be in there or something. I don't know. Uh, I can't say I, I can't say I ever had issues even when I lived out there. Like maybe if you sort of in a more jungly area up North, that sort of thing. But, Okay. Now it's it's not really so much like that, and even in Thailand, I don't think there's really that much that's gonna try and kill you. I think it's more so like if it's a populated area, there's really nothing too crazy out there. Nah, um, not at all. Yeah, and that's what I've talked to. Like I've uh, I've had two people who uh, one's from Australia, one lives in Australia, and I've talked to them a little bit. They're like, honestly, in the populated areas, you don't really see anything. Um. It's nothing like, or I don't want to say it's nothing, but like to some of those like traveling shows or National Geographic where you see, you know, Bear grills or something out in the wilderness and there's all these things. You're not going to see them too much in like a city or nah, whatnot. not at all. No, so. All right. So take me back to what was it that made you decide that you want to jump out of an airplane for a living? Like what was your first like click? So th this is always kind of like a weird story for me because, yeah, I, I see like these big athletes in whatever sport they're in and they always say from 
like especially with skydiving oh from the age of five i had dreams of flying and i always knew i wanted to do this bloody blah man i it wasn't even on my radar i didn't give a shit about skydiving it was oh yeah maybe i'll do it one day and tick it off the bucket list um and a friend of mine she came up to me she's like oh do you want to do you want to do a tandem skydive and i was like yeah okay why not we'll we'll go do it it'll be nice so we're going back to 2012 11 years ago is that when you uh, started that was where that was when i started okay and we went out to an airfield on the east coast of the uk because it was going to be one and done we thought we'd do it with a nice view um and we got there around about midday had like this 20 minute briefing i got strapped to this middle-aged balding dude named steve and i jumped out of a plane and uh from that moment on i just wanted to do nothing but jump out of planes something something clicked in my head man and i landed from that skydive i walked into reception and i booked the course to learn to do it myself i had no clue about the sport i didn't know i didn't know it was a sport i didn't know there was as much to it as it was i didn't know that you could have a job out of this i, I didn't know a single thing other than i want to jump out of planes more so that was kind of what i did and at the time as well i had i was 20 years old 2011 was yeah sorry back to 2011 not 2012 so i was 20 years old i I had a okay job, but it wasn't what I wanted to do as a career. I, I hadn't been to university. I didn't really have, you know, I was just in that stage in life where I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. Um, and then I jumped out of a plane and all of a sudden, I'm not going to say things made sense, but I found something in my life that I wanted to pursue in some way or another, whether it was for work or what. Um, so it's, it's kind of weird because in some of those like crazy adrenaline situations, like that's where you're almost, this might sound weird, but like almost at peace. And like, you can kind of figure like things will click in your head and be like, man, like I, there's so much more to life than doing like your nine to five job or, or something that you don't really like to do. And like, you, you can almost kind of see like, man, there's, there's definitely other things I would like to do. And even if you don't know it at that time, but like when you're up in the air, it just, I don't know. Like I've only jumped once and it was with you, but like, I don't yeah, know. Your man, experience might sweet. be different. Dude, it was crazy. Uh, <laughs> crazy. And that was like two years ago. Yeah. It was two years ago on father's day. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah, man. That was awesome. So what, well, but, uh, nah, yeah. what were you, so what, what were you doing for work before, before you kind of switched to jumping? Um, I, I worked in it. I, oh yeah. <laughs> it was nothing interesting at all. Yeah, um, I mean, that's that's a good career. Well, well, actually, my dad, my dad was in IT, but he was at like 3M in in Minnesota. But um, but oh, nice. Yeah, I feel like IT is one of those ones where you're pretty much computers nonstop every day. I just feel like yeah, that, and it was that could like, be draining to me. I think a little bit. Yeah, and I, like the job was pretty good because I worked at the university that was local to me i just did it support and you know i was 19 20 years old i had a really good salary for my age and my qualifications and it was like a really easy job but it wasn't fulfilling in any way whatsoever so um 
yeah, that summer, that summer of 2011, I learned to skydive and skydiving is expensive, man. So it was really hard to kind of skydive as much as I wanted with having to pay for everything and whatnot. And in the UK with not very good weather, it means that, you know, you could go, go to the airfield for a weekend and not do a single jump, which is frustrating, but it's just, it is what it is. How often does it so rain within in the, the UK? Is it like pretty common? I know it's typically more gray. Yeah, like I always say that we we don't get any like interesting weather. If it rains, it's just gray and miserable. Okay. If if it's if it's sunny in summer, we'll get like a heat wave and it'll just be really hot and sweaty and everyone will complain about it being too hot. Yeah. In winter we don't really get any snow. It's just Yeah. It's just boring. Like it's not if you give me weather, I want good weather. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah. what's nice. Like in some places, well, I, I only know this because I've lived in America, but like when I lived in Minnesota, you get four seasons. So you get like summer, spring, summer, fall, and winter. So like you do get a good change throughout the year. Um, but it's, it's also like the winters are pretty miserable. Like it, it's cold for a long period of time. Sometimes it'll like, it might get warm, but otherwise it'll be like negative you know, 15 for two weeks in a row. And it's like, Damn, man, give me, cold. give me, give me something. <laughs> like, I don't mind yeah. the cold personally, but um, yeah, give me, just give me a little bit of heat every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like the cold, not in my job, but I like the cold in general, but yeah, you know, it's, it's just pretty miserable in the UK. So yeah. I did a bit of skydiving that first year. And then by the end of 2011, there was restructures, as they like to say, going on within my workplace. And I actually got made redundant. Okay. Um, so I was like, well, you know, I've, I had a bit of money saved up. I was getting some pay from uh, from the job. Uh, my last day was like the end of January. I was having my birthday in the February. And I was like, I, I got nothing to do. I am going to go traveling. So in the March, I left the UK and I flew out to Australia. And I traveled around Australia for a couple of years, um, which kind of put skydiving a little bit on the back burner just because I was doing the whole backpacker thing. Yeah. Um, um, but within this. Oh, no, you're good. Sorry. Keep going. You're good. I'm going to say within that second year in Australia, um, I kind of settled and I got a job and everything. So uh, I picked up the skydiving out there and I I went to a, a drop zone. I had the, like the 30 jumps I'd done in the UK. Um, and within that year, uh, I did about 100 skydives, I think, that year, which was pretty cool. And then ended up back in the UK in 2014. Okay, so how does it work? I'm a, so there's definitely a qualification to be an instructor. So do you have to do... Well, walk me through that. Like, How many tandem jumps do you have to do before you start probably doing some solo jumps? And then after that, I'm assuming you become an instructor. Yeah, so... I mean, depending on where you are in the world, they're all pretty much similar. But um, most places, you don't even have to do a tandem before you do the training to do solo skydives. Uh, I always recommend it because it gives you a taste of what it's like. But uh, the best way to learn to skydive is through what we call an AFF course. Um, and you spend about six hours in a classroom on your first day. You learn all the theory, everything you need to know to be able to jump out of a plane by yourself and not die. Okay. That's um, good. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, right? <laughs> that, that's the important thing. And then your first skydive, you've got a parachute on your back and two instructors, they hold on to you in free fall. 
and they're there to, you know, sort shit out if, if anything goes wrong. Is that where you wear one of um, those, um, like the suit you wear almost has like the like the grooves kind of on it, so people can hold or the instructors can hold like your arms and legs somewhat. They have like yeah, the, yeah, like, like raised yeah. like padding or something. Yeah, sausages yeah. we call them. Oh, okay. That that's a better that's a better <laughs> description, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So it makes it easier for the instructor to hold on. Uh, basically, you, you progress like that for like um, seven or eight jumps or so. And you just kind of get more and more freedom and you've got more and more things you got to do. Like you've got to be able to prove that you can uh, turn like 90s and 360s, do backflips, just show that you've got control and altitude awareness and a few other things. Um, and then as you progress, you learn to uh, be in the air with other people and safety of jumping with others and that sort of thing. And then after 25 jumps total, you get your A license and you are a licensed skydiver. You can jump out of a plane on your own or with friends or whatever. Um, and that's like your first step as a skydiver. So then now then for, for most, sorry, keep going. Yeah, you're good. I was going to say for most people, you know, that's enough. That's their hobby. They go to the drop zone on the weekends, they jump out of planes for people that want to work in the sport. Uh, you then got to go through all your instructor courses. Starts with like a basic course where you learn again, depends on which country and they will all do it slightly different way. Um, and you, there's like minimum jump requirements, either sort of 500 or 800 or 1,000 jumps, depending on what you're doing. And um, you go through these courses, they teach you how to be an instructor. So, for example, if you go in as a, <clears throat> a tandem instructor, they teach you how the equipment works, uh, the safety of jumping with other people strapped to you, blah, blah, blah. And you do this course and you do jumps with uh, like a licensed skydiver attached to the front of you. And then eventually you can go on and take real members of the public and and go from there i love it it's, it's, just, uh, it's just so wild it's definitely a unique <laughs> way of life you know yeah it's it's every so often like because obviously for me this is normal i've been right this has been my job now for nine years so i i get up and go to work in the morning the same as someone else who puts on a, a suit and tie and goes to a meeting but Every once in a while, I'll get this moment of clarity, this moment of realization that I jump out of planes for a living. It's a pretty good icebreaker in a conversation. Like, it's a good way to introduce yourself. Like, yeah, Brad, I, I, I jump out of planes. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. Like, that's to me, that's interesting, but I, in, in like a good way. I'm always interested in people's lifestyles if it's something unique or wild or adrenaline seeking especially adrenaline seeking i love hearing those stories um so how many jumps on average in a day Do, um does that fluctuate does it depend it depends yeah drastically depends on where you're working and what you're able to do so right now in my current job i'll do on average around about eight jumps a day Okay. Um, but that's that's consistent. I'll do that pretty much every day, six days a week. Whereas, you know, some places you work and the weekends are super busy. And I think when I was in Indianapolis, when I met you, I did 18 jumps in one day. But then you get to midweek on a Wednesday and you'll do maybe three. So over the week, it evens out to sort of six, seven, eight jumps a day. So, yeah, it kind of depends where you are. But where I'm at now, it's, it's pretty steady work every day. So it's quite easy. Um, okay. which is nice, you know, doing the, the loads of jumps in one day, 
in a long summer's day when you've got sort of 14, 15 hours of daylight, man, it's it's hard. It is a hard job on those days. Okay, so I don't I don't need to know how much you make a year or anything like that, but do you get paid per jump or is it just kind of like salary? Is it hourly? Yeah, we get paid per jump. Most places do it as a pay per jump basis. Okay, okay. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, um, it means those 18 jump days are awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but it means those those rainy days suck. Well, yeah, because you're missing out on on money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That would suck. So, what's like the? I want to say. So when I went two years ago, it was uh, me, my buddy, and then our friend who has been jumping for a number of years. I think he's done some solo jumps actually, and he always would talk to us and say, "Hey, man, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. Whatever." Um, but he was kind of walking us through, you know, if it's somewhat overcast or cloudy, do you have to wait for like a break in the clouds to determine if you guys are good to jump or or how does that kind of work when it comes to the weather? Yeah. So like the way, the way I'll describe it when people ask is there's three types of weather that stop us jumping okay. and that's low cloud, high wind and rain. Uh, low cloud, because if we can't see where we're going to land, we might not land in the right place. Yeah high wind because our parachutes don't have a motor if the wind is super strong it's going to blow us backwards and we're going to land probably not in the right place and rain because no one wants to jump in the rain it hurts yeah dude i've rode my motorcycle in the rain and that shit hurts right? it's like pellets yeah, man, are hitting stings. you man. yeah <laughs> yeah um have you had any uh well how many jumps have you done do you do you keep like a tally over your over your yeah, nine, actually, 10 I'd... years I literally, because because we're currently in the process of moving apartments, I did my logbook today, um, and I've got just under six thousand jumps. <laughs> Does it ever get like? I guess I don't want to say boring, but is it just kind of like, all right, here's it becomes normal, so you're just kind of yeah. like another day. Yeah, especially like you know, it it depends what you do. If I'm just on a day of doing tandems. It's, I'm strapping one person to me. I'm jumping out of a plane. I'm doing the same thing. I land, I get another person. I strap them to me. I jump out. It's, it's very much the same. You might get the occasional person who's interesting or has a personality or has some personal hygiene. But most of the time, it's just you're delivering humans to the ground, which is so reductionist. And I hate saying that sort of thing because I love doing <laughs> tandems. You get to meet some really cool people. But some days you do just feel like a meat taxi, which oh, nice. is is where I always say to people that a job is still a job. Like, okay, I, I absolutely love my job. I'm not going to change it. I've got the best job in the world. Everyone tells me every day. Yeah. But it can still be samey. Okay. Um, but it changes like when you're doing videos, when I film the tandems, that can be, that can offer up a bit more of a challenge because you've got to fly your body. You've got to always get them in shot. You're, you're doing a lot more and it's a lot more involved. Um, when you're doing AFF and teaching people to skydive, that's, you know, that can be either a super easy jump and the student does really well, or, you know, you're fighting them through the air for 8,000 feet and you're saving their life. So yeah, some, some jumps are better than others. Have you, I don't know if this has happened throughout your years, but okay. So I know you have the helmet 
or or at least instructors who are, who are doing the videography have the helmet where the the camera is strapped to it. Has there been any times where you forgot to click record? I've never not hit record, but I okay. have had cameras not work properly. Ooh. Well, I mean, it happens, I guess. Yeah, it's, you know, we're even, I mean, we use GoPros because they're kind of one of the best in the market in the small form factor and that sort of thing. But even taking a camera designed for action, as they say, it's still taking it into a difficult environment where it might not perform properly. So it, it kind of happens occasionally, but very, very rare, which is okay. nice. Okay. Um, have you done like, uh, I guess we're still on the jumping topic. Have you done like wingsuits at all? So <laughs> wingsuiting doesn't really interest me much. Okay. I've got a lot of friends who wingsuit. I got a lot of friends who wingsuit base. Um, for me, it's, it's not really what grabs my interest when it comes to my interest in skydiving. I like to fly really small, super fast parachutes, okay. um, which to kind of put it in layman's terms, when you start learning to skydive, you're, you're, you're driving a super slow car, like you're driving a learner's car. And then as you get better, you can get a sports car and then you can get, a supercar and then you can get onto what we fly most days which is you know a track car super fast takes a lot of experience to learn to fly it can bite you in the butt if it goes wrong and you fly it badly but you can induce speed and you skim across the ground at 80 miles an hour and it's just one of the best feelings okay what are some of the challenges actually i feel like i asked you when we were in the air um because i know there's like a there's a is there's a weight limit for tandem jumping, right? Yeah, generally the weight limit is mostly put there by the manufacturer of the gear because it's what the the gear has been tested to. Okay. Um, so like a tandem tandem kit can take up to five hundred pounds, I think five hundred twenty five okay. pounds, something like that. So, um, which means me at like. I don't even want to think about how, how much I weigh at the moment. I'm like 85 kilos, which is 175 pounds or something like that. Oh, that's good. So it means that's healthy. That, yeah, not bad at the moment. I I could do it losing a little bit, but we'll get there. Keep training Muay Thai. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so it means that with the weight of the kit, which is 50 pounds, which is 225, it means I can technically take someone who's 275 pounds. However, there's no way on earth I'm going to take someone who's 275 pounds because I've got to move them out the door. I've got to fly them down to the ground. I've got to keep them safe. That's like, that is not possible. Yeah, I think, I think, okay. Cause I remember now, cause when we were, when we were going down, you had me guide some of the, I don't know the terminology. I'm sorry. But like, if we, yeah, were, I got you to we fly were, the parachute. Yeah. Oh, well, that's actually, yeah. that sounds better. I'll just say that. So when I was, <laughs> I would pull down because it would give the instructors kind of some rest. Because if you are, let's say you're tandem jumping with people who are a little bigger, um, it's got to just drain your arms out, I'm assuming. Yeah, it does get, it does get heavier and it can get more tiring. Um, and like even just sort of moving people down the plane, it's, you kind of got this dead weight on the front of you and it can be difficult and yeah, parachute opens and you know, taking a a small 50 kilo female as opposed to a uh, hundred plus plus kilo 
you know, football player yeah. is very different. But yeah, definitely. I, uh, man, I'm trying to think. We went in June and I was at a new job at that point, but my job before I was a brewer. So I, I was mm. in like the brewery industry for like four or five years. And you're drinking a lot of like beer at that point. So yeah, man, I was, I was sorry, interrupting. No, you're good. I, I was listening to, I was listening to your, uh, your chat with Kyle on one of the flights the other day and your job at that brewery that was a cinema and you got all the, the free food, the free man, that sounded so cool. Dude, it's the shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was the shit, man. I got free movies, so free good. food, free beer. Like it was good for date nights, right? Because I'm not. I mean, I, I would I would just have the server ring up like a like a it's called a penny tab or like a one dollar tab so I could tip them still. But otherwise, oh, it was yeah, like, yeah. dude, I would go out. It was, it was good. But because of that, I ended up gaining quite a bit of weight. So before I'm not surprised. We, yeah. So before we were skydiving, like I was at least a couple couple months out of the brewery. So I was like, man, because I'm picturing from your position, like you said, if it's a, if it's a bigger person, you have to like because you have to almost like crab walk shuffle to the door yeah. of the plane and stay low um and like scoot your because we were the we we're the last ones off so that was kind of one thing too where like obviously there's going to be nerves right when for for people who are like first-time jumpers and my thing was like we showed up at the at the drop zone or i guess at skydive indie probably like two hours before we were supposed to take off. So that whole two hours I'm watching people, you know, land safely fall. So like, it does kind of calm you down. And then, you know, I, what I thought was crazy was like, as soon as the instructors land, boom, unhook clip, get your next person. You go right back up. Like you guys are just jumping nonstop. So that was calming my nerves. And then when we were on the plane and I saw everybody um, like go before me, I'm like, okay, well, it sounds like everything's still good. So I'm like, let's just do it. Um, but yeah, dude, that, that freaking like shuffle to the door doing that <laughs> all day, like, or however long your, your shift is like, that's, that does not seem like it could, it could be, it could be a challenge. Yeah. I like everyone develops their own method of doing it. And it kind of depends on the plane and the seating arrangements. But yeah, there's definitely like, um, energy efficient ways of doing it and if you do have a super big person on the front of you i just get them to do the work like i oh, took this good idea. 250 yeah. yeah i took this 250 pound guy in thailand and like we we sat down in the door to exit the plane so the standing like you and i did okay yeah um so so i'm sat in the door and like he's fully hanging out off the front of me and usually when you do a seated exit you kind of push off the door frame and you're you're out into the airflow Okay. With him because he was so heavy, I just let go and he just <laughs> took me with him. <laughs> um so how did you end up in Indianapolis? Is it kind of like a seasonal thing for that type of job where you just kind of travel to to like, hey, these people need instructors or jumpers or anything? Yeah, so that was that was a funny one because I was before India I was in Thailand. And I moved quite, to Thailand. Quite different. Pretty pretty different. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Indianapolis is very flat and uh, not much to see. Yeah. I mean, when I moved here, because I'm from uh, Minnesota, and there's like a lot more like wilderness and lakes and, and hills and stuff there. So when I moved here, I'm like, yeah, even this is different. But Thailand's a little more different. 
yeah, it was it was a train, but I'm, I I enjoyed my my season in Indy, but um, yeah, I moved to Thailand in 2019, and we were having a great time there, and then obviously beginning of 2020, everything happened, and we weren't working because the borders in Thailand were closed and we had nothing to do. Yeah, so as things started to calm down, we got a bit of work, but it just wasn't really sustainable. I had personal goals that I wanted to achieve, one of which was um to get the qualification to be able to teach people to skydive so i looked up doing that and doing the course the instructor course in the us and i was working with a guy who had worked in indianapolis um at the same place where i met you yeah and it just so happened that skydive indianapolis had also put out a like a wanted ad for instructors on Facebook, there's a skydiving jobs Facebook group where I've got at least four of my jobs in previous times. <laughs> and um, I applied. The guy I was working with kind of put in a, a good word for me with the managers there, and I got offered the job. So it's kind of just I wanted to move on because we weren't really working much. Thailand was still being very restricted with COVID. Um, parts of the US were uh, you know just a little bit more free. So I flew from Thailand to Florida um got to florida lo and behold my luggage didn't make it there either so <laughs> <laughs> um spent a month in florida doing courses because i had to convert some ratings from uk to us blah blah um and florida was a lot of fun i enjoyed my time there that was a that was a really good time florida's fun and the, florida's good yeah good, florida's good cool. weather good food yeah and then and then yeah did uh six months in indianapolis just as Basically, as you say, seasonal work because the season there is April to October time, I think. Um, so, yeah, it was just they put an ad out. I needed a job, and it, it kind of just it's how it works in Scotland. A lot of time, it's just who you know as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you'll end up yeah going one place for six months, and you go somewhere else. A lot of people will do like Northern Hemisphere summer and then go down to say New Zealand for their summer, which is our winter. Um, so you'll see a lot of people do that sort of thing. It's, you know, it is a very seasonal job and you've got to just go where the weather is. Right. Where, uh, where did you live when, when you were here for six months? Uh, I lived in Lebanon. Oh, okay. I know where that is. It's like North, yeah. North side of, and, you know, I I drive by it, but I I don't think I've ever been there. Yeah, um, yeah we had like a staff house there. Okay, yeah, cause I was gonna ask that. I was thinking like, so do you guys all probably have like a like a bunk house or something like that, or some type of house where we all just kind of stay there? So that's good. Um, have you had any like have you had any like scare moments or like panic moments or anything? Like have any jumps kind of gone like a little South? I mean, clearly you fixed it because you're still here, but like, <laughs> but like, have you had anywhere like, you know, kind of like, Oh shit moments. Um, I mean, yes and no. Okay. If I like, if I, if I sit here and describe some things that have gone on in my skydiving, you'll be like, Oh shit. What the fuck? To me, it's, I'm not going to say it's routine, but obviously we're trained to deal with this shit, so it's like, ah, oh, whatever. So it's kind of to give give you an idea of sort of skydiving gear and how it works and, and that sort of thing. Like 
we always jump with two parachutes. We got our main parachute, right. which we deploy at the end of every free fall, and and ninety nine point nine percent of the time it works. And right. then we have our reserve parachute, which if the first one doesn't work, we get rid of it. We open our reserve, and that is going to work as well. And you have to pull that so, reserve pretty much instantly, right? Like, uh, yeah, depending on your altitude. Okay. Like if you, yeah, again, I can get into that because my last cutaway was an interesting one. Okay. But um, yeah. So statistic-wise, you're looking at one malfunction, which is a problem with your main parachute that you have to get rid of. Uh, you have one of those in every maybe 800 to 1,000 skydives, roughly. Uh, and I think I'm on track. I think I've got six malfunctions in 6,000 jumps. Wow, that's a pretty good statistic then. Sounds accurate. So, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty easy. And, you know, the funny thing is I know people who have had a malfunction on their first skydive, and I know a guy with 6,000 skydives who's not had any malfunctions. So... It you kind of luck of the draw half the time, right? But what we got so to kind of give you a bit more of a oh shit moment. Uh, as I was talking before, I like to fly very small, very fast parachutes. They're fun because they're fast, but it means if when they open, there's something wrong with it, they go wrong really fast as well. Okay. So we were doing a jump a little while ago out in the desert. And the plan for the jump was we get out at 13,000 feet. There's a group of about six of us. We all open our parachutes. They're all very fast, small parachutes. And we fly our parachutes together in a formation, move around each other. Lots of fun. Um, really cool. So we get out at 13,000 feet. I was like the, the third or fourth one out of the plane. I open my parachute and some of the, the lines that connect the fabric of the parachute to my harness, they're like knotted up. And this causes a turn. And because it's a very fast parachute, this turn is insanely quick. I'm talking, I think I did nine rotations in the space of three seconds, maybe less. That's like a fast fall thing, too, baby. <laughs> this thing is absolutely honking, man. Um, and be because you've got that speed in the turn, it's got a lot of centrifugal force. You start to get all the blood rushes out to your fingertips and your and your arms and your legs. If you let it go on, you can black out. So I'm there spinning under this super fast parachute. I'm trying to fix the problem. The problem won't fix. So I get rid of it. And bearing in mind, we jumped out of the plane at 13,000 feet. So we're super high. We don't normally open up parachutes until like 3,000 feet. So we're super high because we opened it straight out the door. Um, so I've got rid of my main parachute now about 10,000 feet. And I've got, if I wanted to, I could free fall for another 5,000 feet before opening my reserve parachute, but it's not a smart thing to do. I was going to ask that real so quick. So, so how long do you typically free fall for? Like, let's say, what, what, do you, you, what do you jump at? Actually, let's start with that. So we'll jump out at 13,000 feet. We'll free fall for around about a minute and open the parachute around about 3,000 feet. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So on this one, we jumped out at 13,000 feet, but we only spent about five seconds in free fall and opened our parachutes basically immediately just so we could do the type of jump we were doing. Yeah. And then, yeah, things went wrong, spun up super quick, started to get dizzy, started to almost black out. So I had to get rid of it. Um, 
and there my parachute landed somewhere in the middle of the desert. I landed just about back where I was meant to and managed to find everything I needed to and everything was fine. What was your heart race? Like, was it just, you, you probably were, it was happening so fast you couldn't even like think about how fast your heart was going. Yeah, it was probably still at like 70. <laughs> okay. <laughs> pretty chill. Pretty, I'm okay. <laughs> it's, uh, so kind of like, as you were saying at the beginning when we started talking, when, when you're doing these sort of like, high stress, high adrenaline situations, and you start to get used to it, time slows down. Okay, like when yeah. you first do it, like when you first did your tandem skydive two years ago, everything probably seems super quick and it's just like, it's so overwhelming. You're like, holy shit, what just happened? You do it more and more and you can, your brain can process it better and you can, you can deal with things easier and it always feels like time slows down. So you can... I always think that your heart rate's generally probably only slightly elevated in these situations because you're now trained to deal with it rather than acting on primal instinct, you're acting on training. I mean, I'm getting excited just listening to this. So, you know, my, I don't <laughs> you have need my to jump again, man. Yeah, I need to jump again. <laughs> well, it was okay. So I was right before it was happening. I was like, I said, like, just a, a quick prayer in my head. I'm like, all right, let's just, let's just do this. And then when we jump, I didn't think of this is what I've told multiple people. Actually, a good friend of mine, she just found out like two days ago that I that I went skydiving. I'm like, I've, I've clearly talked about this. But anyways, so like <laughs> yeah. as soon as as soon as you jump, like I'm looking, I'm just looking straight down. And I know um, like if you're doing video or something, like they want you to kind of like look up a little bit at the camera. I was just looking down mm -hmm. and taking everything in and everything was happening so fast. Well, actually. No, it did seem, I'm just going to guess, let's say if, if, if we did like a free fall for like 10 seconds, it felt a lot longer than that. Like I'm just, it does kind of slow things down because you're, it's almost like sensory overload where you see yeah, everything and you're going and you're like, also, holy shit, I'm falling out of the sky right now. Um, and then as soon as, you know, the, 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 the chute opens up, you know, like you just kind of like slow down a little bit. And then you're just up there like, like, dude, I'm in the sky right now. I'm literally basically flying and just getting a good view. And now I'm assuming in your experience, Indiana didn't have the best view probably compared to like, <laughs> compared to like Bali or something like that or, or Abu Dhabi, whatever. And, um, I feel like there's a lot of cornfields, but still like you're up in the sky. There were some clouds. So it was kind of cool. Um, and then it was, you know, we're slowly getting closer and then you just kind of do a couple spins. We went through, I remember we went through a cloud and the temperature change felt kind of, it, it was weird. Cause obviously I've never just been through a cloud like that before. So it's almost like you get, you feel a little bit of like a mist moisture cools it down yeah. and then you just pop out the other side. It's pretty dope. It was, yeah. It clouds are sweet. cool, man. Yeah. But I didn't feel... I think you're right. Like I didn't really get a um, like a fast heart race or anything like that. Um, one thing I told quite a few people because they asked me like, does your stomach like kind of turn like when you go on a roller coaster, for example, and like you go up and as soon as you start to go down, like your stomach starts to kind of like shift or, or turn. And I said, I, I did not because I feel like you're going so fast 
and it just yeah. happens instantly and then all of a sudden boom 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 and then you you're you're kind of chilling the one part that and i'm sure other people said this and i want to i want to say you told me this is where you do the the adjustment so it's like i'm just going to you hear the clips but it's not it's it's like you you do the like you kind of have to like shift your hips or something so you kind of like sit down a little more yeah pretty much it makes it way more comfortable for you guys yeah but also like i don't like you're up in the air and you're just like, all right, just move this around. I'm going to put my hand right here. I'm like, please don't just, I'm fine. <laughs> also as, as, as fellas, I think a big concern would be like, man, if my harness was, was off a little bit and then the chute opens up and I just, my, my, <laughs> like my nuts are right there and something gets pinched. I, that was, that was something I was thinking about too. I, I will admit that to be fully transparent. Dude, like <laughs> that is, that is my, my biggest fear in this sport. Like, we'll say, oh, are you not worried about dying? You're not worried about something going wrong and you're disabled? I'm like, nah, I'm worried about getting something trapped underneath a leg strap because yeah. that's not going to be pretty. No, that's not going to feel good either. Plus, nah, I've always I mean, said if it's, I... It's good that you're thinking about that and not like other like situations. Like that'll take my mind off of certain things, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've always said if I could just remove it for work and put it back on at the end of the day, perfect. Like a tool, like you could just like unscrew it from your body and then put it back on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, that'd be nice, actually. Matt, think if... of the black market. It would be oh, full of... Yeah. <laughs> Especially at the gym or something like that. Or like when you're sparring, like, hey, I'm good. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not to get worried. You, you wouldn't have to wear a cup. Man, a buddy like... of mine who, who uh, has done like Muay Thai, he's the one that went to Thailand before. He was sparring oh, yeah. and he didn't wear a cup and him and the sparring partner were both throwing a, a kick at the same time. So like his leg was opened up and he got hit. And I'm like, man, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, there's because I mean, I, I've i not worn a cup for sparring either. Um, I haven't. But... I mean, I'm not throwing kicks, but but also, yeah. you know, it's it gets in the way. Yeah, Sometimes. they're not the best. So I was, I, was, I was chatting to a guy out in, in Thailand. He's been doing Muay Thai since uh, 1988. So he's been training a long time. And he was saying he got a real hard kick in the cup and it cracked the cup. Ooh. And it, it was just like, man, the pain was insane. I'm like, yeah, that's horrific. And he said after that, he only bought metal cups, like made of steel. Yep, I've said, seen those. <laughs> someone kicks one of those once and they'll never kick it again. I mean, that's a good defense, though. Like, if you were something like that, like, <laughs> right? hey, maybe, maybe don't try kicking me there again. Don't try that shit again, you know? <laughs> Damn. Ooh. Um, okay, so best places that you've jumped. And this is no disrespect to any other location, but like, where, where are some like memorable, beautiful places? Oh, 100% Indianapolis. Obviously, obviously, man. <laughs> um, so I always say Thailand's like pretty high on my list. Where I was was right in the Gulf of Thailand. We were jumping right near the coast. We did some jumps onto the beach every so often. Um, man, what a beautiful place! It looks so good from the air. Yeah, I've looked so up Thailand's pictures, definitely high on my list. I looked up some pictures on your uh, IG of jumping there and. I mean, the pictures don't do justice, I'm sure, because that, that country is very beautiful. Yeah. 
Okay, where else? Have, let's see. So you've jumped to Thailand. Uh, another good one is in between England and France. There's a small cluster of islands called the Channel Islands. Um, uh, one of them's called Jersey, and I used to jump there uh, every summer. I'd do like a couple of weeks there. Um, and this island is tiny. You can see the entire island from like 3,000 feet. And you take off from the international airport. You're in a, a tiny plane, way smaller than the one that you and I jumped out of. Okay. Uh, you're in this plane and you're next to like taxiing 747s and 777s and stuff. And it's like, this feels so weird. And you take off at the international airport and then you jump and you land on the beach. And you can see, ah, oh, it's just this beautiful little island you can see all out to the coast and you can see uh on a clear day you can see france like th that place was pretty beautiful and jersey itself is a really nice place um there's a lot of money in jersey but that was that was very cool i used to really like jumping there yeah yeah I, I, i'm i'm not even going to compare indianapolis to those places but that that does sound pretty <laughs> sweet man um what are the uh Okay, so what other jumps have you done besides jumping out of a plane? Like cliff jumps in in other like I thought I saw like a video or something where you jumped basically and pulled the parachute instantly. Yeah, so in twenty fifteen I started base jumping, which is jumping with a parachute from solid objects. Okay. Um it's base is technically an acronym for building antenna span, which is bridges, and earth, which is cliffs, which are kind of like the four main objects that you'll jump from uh the differences with skydiving obviously shit's a lot lower um the parachutes we use are different they fly slower they're better to use from from that sort of object um but where we jump from like thirteen thousand feet from a plane the lowest i've jumped is like 140 feet from an antenna that's quick so yeah it's pretty low you'll get like seven seconds off of that which is, yeah, pretty low. Yeah. But last year I was in uh, Italy. There's a really cool cliff there called Monte Brento, which is about three and a half thousand feet, and we were jumping that, which was a lot of fun. It's just so wild, like of all the different adrenaline, like sports out there, like whether it's like whitewater rafting or um, I don't know. I guess you could say rock climbing in a way, or like bouldering. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, I had. So I just recorded with um, his episode comes out right before yours. So his actually episode comes out in like a couple of days. Um, Sweet. But he uh, he lives on a sailboat. So like he does like a lot of different uh, just sails around like San Francisco Bay Area. But um, he also does rock climbing and, and, and adrenaline shit like that. So I just feel of all of them like skydiving is definitely like your top top of the top at least in my my eye like the craziest one to do you know yeah i think i guess definitely got that that perception for sure um rock climbing man that shit can be gnarly as well um rock climbing mountaineering i don't know there, there's so much out there and like there's always so much that kind of the more you you dive into it you realize there's so much more that People do like I said to my girlfriend earlier this year or earlier this month, humans will make a sport out of anything. Oh yeah. Sometimes it's stupid. And Sometimes it's like, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I'll I'll never knock someone for a hobby because if you get enjoyment out of it, then more power to you. 
Um, but um, sorry. Speaking of that, I saw um, I saw yesterday. I was bartending downtown, and I saw they have like fling golf now. So like you instead of like an actual golf with like a golf club, you have this like pole, and it almost looks like lacrosse. If if oh know, okay, yeah, it almost looks like that, but you're using a golf ball. And when I first saw a clip of it at the at the bar, I was like, maybe he just got mad and threw his golf club. No, like it's an actual <laughs> sport. Like it's an actual sport now. So you just have this pole with a with a little, you know, probably I don't know, net, kind of like lacrosse, and he just chucks the golf ball down. So it's probably for people who can't golf. But you're right. Like people will come up with the stupidest thing for a sport, but it's entertainment, pretty much. You know, whether it's like funny or or stupid, like I'll watch it. I'll have a couple beers and watch it. I guess. And dude, like how many times do you end up like randomly on Instagram or YouTube or something and something pops up for it? Like, I have no idea why. And it's something like that. It's the most weird niche thing. And you just kind of look at the clip and you're like, oh, that's weird. I'll, I'll click on that. And then yeah. like two hours later, you're deep in the rabbit hole of some super strange sport that you've got zero interest in. But you're like, this is really fucking cool. Yeah. And it's normally like when you're on the toilet. The next thing you know, like an hour goes by and your legs are all cramped up or something. Your legs are dead. Yeah. <laughs> and you try to walk and you're like, oh, gosh. Um, yeah, dude. I mean, there's just so many things out there, so many different sports, so many things that people can like keep themselves entertained. So I'm not mad at it. I, I think that's awesome. You know, whatever you could do to kind of like, you know, just have fun in life. Do whatever the hell you want, man. And so much of it as well. Like, I think we get so much out of it as well with just, I don't know, it, 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 I guess it kind of sounds cheesy in a way, but just advancements within like technologies and just pushing humans to the limit as well. Yeah. Because like we're, we're pretty capable of doing a lot of things. So when we're in Thailand uh, this year, we finish off our trip with a free diving course um and free diving is basically you hold your breath for as long as you can and you go really deep and it's super fucking scary dude that's, that's um, i watched that it's pretty terrifying it's cool to see yeah like, watch but like oh, incredible man like if you were not aired on there okay uh like oops <laughs> and and they just they just had the like the world competition free diving competition and uh like the lead guy alexi molchnov he went down to 133 meters underwater on a single breath. And it's just, it's, it's flipping insane. And people can hold their breath. Now the world record is uh, 12 minutes without breathing, like 12 minutes holding your breath. How the human body can just do insane things. It used to be, I feel like it was always like three minutes, like your body can go three minutes or something like that. And now it's like, how the hell did we get, like, how do you even train? Well, I guess I know how you train for that. You just hold your breath constantly. I don't know. But 12 <laughs> yeah, minutes. It's, it's, that's 12 nuts. minutes is ridiculous. Huh? Yeah. yeah. And actually, like, we, we did the course and we really enjoyed it. And it's something I want to pursue more. Um, And we're training for it because you can train for it quite easily in the sense of learning to breath hold. You can just do, like, sitting on your couch at home. And there's different ways that you can train. Is it called, like, box um, breathing or something like that? Yeah, there's box breathing, which is like you, like I think, hold your breath for X amount of time. You exhale for for ten seconds. You inhale for ten seconds. You hold your breath. Like it's, yeah, there's weird stuff. And then 
the different training you do will build up like your tolerance to CO2 because as obviously you hold your breath and CO2 builds up in your cells and your, your body is just like, you need to get rid of this. You need to breathe and you can just build up this tolerance to it. And then you can build up a tolerance to lack of oxygen. And it's pretty interesting. And that's basically all it is, is freediving is a mental game. So just when we did the course, we went in there pretty blind, never really done it. Um, and we could both hold our breath for about two minutes. Uh, just with like learning these sort of simple ways of how to breathe beforehand and, and how to hold your breath. And you can just, you can train and it's pretty easy for people within their first year of learning to free dive to get up to like sort of five minutes plus, which is pretty, pretty incredible. Dude, you got me over here like trying to like open up my <laughs> diaphragm. <laughs> That's nuts, dude. Like, it's it's pretty insane. And then another thing, man, this just this just seems like a highlight reel of my year. But we in April we went to Nepal. Mm. Uh, we went trekking in the Himalayas, and that is a beautiful place. But we again we kind of went down the rabbit hole of um, all the eight thousand meter peaks in the world. There's fourteen of them, and the Nepalese guy Nims he did all 14 8,000 meter peaks in around about six months, which is insane. Within 24 hours, he did three of them. The human body going up to 8,000 meters mountaineering, like the the feat of that is just in, insane. It's incredible. It's so impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I'm man. Just, yeah. Dude, so, yeah, are... kind of like <laughs> linking are... back to what we're saying with hobbies, yeah. people just do insane stuff. What other... Um... So you mentioned backpacking before. So like, what are some of the treks that you've done? You mentioned the Himalayas. So yeah, mostly like this year was the first time we did any proper trekking. Okay. Um, like I don't know a lot of walking and hiking within sort of smaller mountain ranges in Europe. And that was usually just for, for base job to jump off the cliff. Um, and a lot of walking in the UK. Like we do have some really nice, na nice national parks in the UK. Uh, the Lake District and the P Peak District are two of my favourites. Um, but you know they're just short walks. So actual trekking. This was the first time this year in April, and we went up to Everest Base Camp. I um, gosh, where's that? Why can't I think? Where's Mount Kilimanjaro at? Uh, Africa. Okay, I want to hike that forgot why yeah, that's I was a good interested. one so that's it was like a couple of years ago um there was somebody i was following on instagram and he hiked it and i was like wow i would like to do i mean i'd like to do i've backpacked when i was a kid and i've like canoed because in northern minnesota you have like lakes and oh um, hell yeah so like a lot of a lot of like canoeing and, and trekking through like the the woods up there and then i backpacked um uh isle royal in michigan it's like this it's a pretty pretty big island in um lake superior um, oh okay nice and it's filled with like it's got like wolves moose and stuff like it's it's a really pretty area and it's an i think it's a national park actually i think that's beautiful but um yeah i'd like to do that i mean i just don't even know like where to begin with like when it comes to like tra the traveling part and and whatnot um of like of flying over there i mean clearly you've had some great experience 
with your travels and 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 luggage and whatnot. So I'm thinking like <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, like it, it'd be on my bucket list to do something like that. My wife, my wife does all likes the traveling stuff too. Or not the traveling, but she likes the um like the hikes and 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 treks. So it's definitely on our bucket list. Yeah, that's cool. It's so it's nice like you've got someone who enjoys that kind of thing and you can go and do it together and like plan it together and come up with different ideas and and that yeah. sort of thing. For sure. How long have you, uh, you and your your girl, been together? Uh, so we're just over a year now. Nice. Where uh, where'd you meet? At work. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> not really. Yeah, not not really much of a meet cute. <laughs> yeah, but that makes sense. Um, <laughs> okay. And what? So where? Or well, what country? I guess did you meet in? In UAE in Dubai. Okay. Yeah, because I know you're all over the place. So, um, well, that's sweet. And then she she went with you to Thailand. So, she, did she work out with you at Thailand too? Yeah. So she she started Muay Thai before me, and Ooh. she was the one that got me into it. Has uh, if you guys ever get in like an argument, are you afraid that she's just gonna like kick your ribs or something like that? I <laughs> uh, like she. She's pretty lethal. She's got yeah. some. Uh, she's got some good power behind her. <laughs> like, like uh, Brad, I told you to take the garbage out and the dishes. Yes, ma'am. I'll be right there. <laughs> the only no, that... other thing is that I can kick harder than her, so we'll be fine. I hope she hears this. And <laughs> me too. She hears it first. <laughs> um, no, that's that's that is true though, man. If you have like a good life partner, then you can do these these adventures with or or traveling or or make memories and stuff like it's 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 awesome it's really awesome yeah yeah because like man she she motivates the hell out of me like she really gets me because she runs a lot she's done a lot of ultra marathons and stuff like this and she's super active um so she got me back into running in this last year and she was kind of the one that got me to go to nepal with her got me into muay thai um she got me to take surf lessons when we were in bali like yeah she's just sort of she's super active and like i like to be active but i also like to you know sit down and put my feet up yeah yeah definitely it's like good balance though like it's fun to do some active stuff and then also like i want to kind of like sit on my, my back deck or something by a fire and have you know some drinks or or cook grill up 100%. some food or something you know yeah. um yeah i mean and and especially if you do active stuff that's fun like surfing or whatever i've i haven't surfed yet um but i've like skateboarded longboarded and i've done wakeboarding before um oh okay nice yeah which is which is pretty fun i mean it takes a while to get used to because you're being pulled by a boat and the first couple times you get up like if if you don't have enough tension on the rope you'll fall forward and then you'll just get water up your nose constantly so yeah. it really puts a damper on things you know yeah that's annoying yeah i i enjoyed surfing like you know it's it's nature powered which i kind of prefer like i don't want to be dragged by a boat because yeah it sort of seems pointless but yeah no, surfing I, was a lot true. of fun if you that's true if you do get a chance i'd definitely recommend it yeah i'm trying to think the closest place for me to surf would be I was going to say, uh, it's de- definitely not local, eh? No, not uh, surprisingly enough, uh, not local at all. Uh, <laughs> like, it, it's weird because 
I, we don't mind living in Indiana. Um, like it's, I like that it's a good central location. So like if we want to go to Chicago or something, we're like two and a half, three hours away. If we want to go to Nashville where there's some good food and good music and good places. Um, and there's, you know, there's like the smoky mountains and stuff are down there too in Tennessee. So like there's some good places to travel and the cost of living is pretty affordable here. We're not that far from the airport. If we want to, you know, jet, jet to a couple places. Um, it's relatively quiet. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to, to kind of relax, but like I said, it's, it's good that we're in a good central hub and we can go places that, that are nearby, but, um, yeah, nowhere to surf. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, as you say, you've got, okay, it might be a a boring state per se, but as you say, you're central, you've got, you've got the opportunity to be able to do everything and you're not paying a fortune to live somewhere yeah like say california yeah california's gotta be pretty expensive to live in um i know someone who him and his wife live out i think in like burbank like somewhere near la and um that was one of the things i asked him like how's it out living out there and he's like man it's expensive i'm like yeah probably yeah and like man i think at some point when cost of living just rises like that, you gotta you gotta call it quits and just go somewhere cheaper and just have a a better, easier life. Well, yeah, because it gets to the point where, like, if you live a, in a more affordable place, like you could save money and then go travel to to different places or, or check out different spots. Because um, if you're spending so much money just living where you're at, um, you miss out on a lot of opportunities to either go 100%. to like to go to Thailand and eat you know, some food. <laughs> like, mm. Sorry. I'm in like a one bedroom apartment in LA right now. I'm like, well, have fun. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I spend 90% of my monthly wages on it. So yeah, it's, it's terrible. No, it's not a way to live. Nah, not at all. <laughs> well, look, man. Um, I think what you do is crazy and I love everything about it. Uh, like I, I don't know. Gosh, it was like two years ago. Like we said, I met you and it just clicked. Like, I think you got an awesome, awesome gig right now. And, um, you definitely live life to the fullest. So you only get one, right? You might as well, you might as well use it. Yeah. Actually, shit, dude. I think you said that to me in the air. You said something like that. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know, but, but it's true. I mean, you possibly you're making some awesome memories. Um, and yeah, man, I, I, I appreciate uh, you being on here. You can come back anytime. We can talk no more worries, about man. That'd food be awesome. and traveling, talk more about tra- uh, training. So um, yeah, yes. thanks thanks for staying up too. What time is it there? Uh, it's it's only 20 past nine. Like it's, it's not quite past my bedtime yet. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Talking more about training next time would be sweet as well. Because you've been, you said you've been boxing for like seven years, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the gym I'm at yeah, right now awesome. in downtown Indy is uh is, is is pretty legit, but um yeah man we we I'm I'm down to have you back anytime we could just catch up chat shoot the shit whatever so yeah man I'm super Thank easy you. man that'd be a blast uh where uh what's your like Instagram handle and and where can everybody see your stuff at uh it's a damn fine question I think my Instagram is just Brad but I am so inactive on social media <laughs> that uh, <laughs> if you want to follow me and see my two or three posts a year, they are more than welcome. 
All right, man. Well, hey, dude, thank you. Um, I'll get this edited and we'll just go from there. So I appreciate it. Keep flying. Welcome, man. Keep thank doing, you very much. Keep doing your damn thing. It's awesome to see. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hopefully I get to take you for a jump again soon. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll connect. We got to. Oh, yes. We got to. All right. Thanks, man. Enjoy your day, brother.